There's a there's a proverb. Turn look in Proverbs real quick. Talking about that. I think this kind of helps us to some extent. See if I can find it. I think it's in Proverbs twenty nine. Eighteen, I think. Eighteen. Where there is no vision, no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But happy is he who keeps the law. Notice how he tied the law with vision, with revelation. And that's 18, verse 18 of chapter 29. The people perish. Yes, yes. Where there is no revelation, the people perish. And they perish as a result of, is the idea of this casting off restraint, um, which goes along with, but happy is he who keeps the law. Does you ever say that as well? Yeah. See, the law is... He that keepeth the law... Happy yes, yes. The law is a uh, is a restraining uh, a restraining factor in our life, and when men cast off the law, which gives us revelation, gives us vision, direction. When when you have no restraint of that, um, people people start doing things out of character of the law. And I think that that same thought process goes with with these that find themselves in older age, like with Alzheimer's. Uh, what they used to be a restraining factor for them that kept them from doing certain things, saying certain things, acting certain ways. God's revelation in their life, his law, his vision uh, kept them under restraint. But see, when you don't have that, that's gone. You, that you, you, you can't recall that. You, you cast off restraint and you go back to the basic fundamentals of the nature of the man. And that nature is going to manifest in uh, being impatient and, and outbursts of wrath and anger and vulgar things and stuff that they've put in their mind and they've had in their mind through the years, a surface. And you take like a, an older man that has lived, say, 60 years, of great moral character, wasn't perfect, done some silly things in his life, but you take the, the 20 years prior to that or the 30 years or 40 years prior to that, he lived in this world, did things his way. That's gonna, when he loses restraint, that's gonna come out. The work of God in him, in our mind, that's why... You got to go back to if if all we had was if all we needed was the Holy Spirit, there would be no need for us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. See, our minds have to be continually renewed by the truth, by the Word of God. God's constantly what freeing us from old lies, setting us free to walk in His grace, and He uses the Holy Spirit to illuminate those things to us. But you see, when a man loses that restraining work of his word in our life, anything goes. And, and, and somebody with Alzheimer's, which is a sickness, a disease, 
uh, are in a position that they cannot, their minds cannot be consistently renewed and transformed to prove what is God's good, acceptable, and perfect will. And you have somebody, I think, that Say sits in that. That's right. Well, they totally dependent on God's yeah, grace. So yeah. to me, and I got nothing to look forward to. Because all that that was back in the 30 years, yeah. 40 years ago was, was empty. Was not, was nothing but vile. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right. And that vile probably, because I was an angry man. I stayed angry. I, got, I woke up angry and I stayed angry all day. I went to bed angry. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think that's why we see some of these people that we get around that, that were men and women that really were gracious and kind and tender and loving. And, and though they, they made mistakes and they sinned just like the rest of us, oh, there's yeah. nobody yeah. that's without that. Right. Um, and they still had to battle with the flesh every day. You see, if you can't, the scriptures talk about that battle of the flesh. Either you yield to the flesh or you yield to the spirit. Well, when you have nothing in you helping you lean to the Spirit, what, what can you only produce? The works of the flesh. Now, that's somebody that God grants mercy to for the pure fact that he understands exactly the, the position somebody's in and, and the capability and capacity of their mind. That's why he teaches us that in your youth, early, you know, seek these things out and, and do what you need to do while you can early because there will come a point in time where you can't retain and recall and remember and do what you used to be able to do. And you don't want to get to that place trying to um, gain when you had all this opportunity prior to when you was in a good state of mind um, and, and missed it all, you know. So, and I think this, this, this helps us helps me understand why people do some of those things and why that battle goes on and why we want to be patient and kind and, and uh, gentle with people who we know, hey, I mean, we're to be patient with all people, but specifically those of the brethren, as the scripture says, especially those that we knew who once walked faithfully with the Lord and because of nothing in and of themselves, they had a mental uh, disease and that's why so many refer to that Alzheimer's being such such cruel disease because not only does it affect the person, but it affects everybody around them. Yeah. You know, when, when your mama don't know you, and then she knows you for, for a minute, and then she don't know you anymore, and your daddy don't want you around, don't like you because he don't know you, and it hurts you or hurt mama, you know, you see that. Yeah. The mamas are trying to keep daddies around and and take care of them because they have done it all their life. But then the man gets violent and begins to hurt people. He don't know her. And, and he's just really trying to really protect himself in a lot of those situations. It's tough, man. It's hard to watch people go through that kind of stuff. Yeah. All right. But well, y'all tell me, where, where, what we got to work with today? We got something, I know. Maybe we can go to that parable. The marriage, the parable of the wedding feast, that will be in chapter 22, Matthew chapter number 22. Luke talks about a parable as well in Luke 14. Let's see if there's some comparison there. So look at Matthew 22 and then hold your spot over in Luke 14 and see if we're dealing with the same 
in our in this parable, we see where in both parables here where God came, sent His Son to the Jews, to to, to the sent the prophets, the prophets, yeah, and, and His Son to the Jews mm -hmm. to save them from their sin. Mm -hmm. That was the purpose of the marriage. Mm -hmm. But they rejected it. So he gets angry and says, okay, fine. And go to He destroyed the And he tells his servants to go out of the highway and, or the byways and pick up anybody, which now brings us into the picture. Good and bad. Good and bad don't matter. Yeah. And, and puts, brings Gentiles into the picture and gets us where we're now listening to Jesus and we are becoming part of the marriage. Yeah, we're, we're, yeah we're that bride that he laid his life down for. All right, but then there's that one man that the king comes to and says, you ain't got clothes, you ain't got bride clothes on. Now, I read that how many times. And and I just went through it just like water. It didn't it, it didn't grab but this morning it grabbed me. There are people that are sitting in pews this morning <coughs> that came that come to the church, come to the wedding supper feast. They say all the right things, they do all the right things, but they haven't been changed to where they have new clean garments on. They haven't been washed by the land. And that's where that's where he says in the close, for many are called but few are chosen. The call goes out, it's broad. And he said, Go get the good and the bad. Meaning there is no good. He's saying good and bad. In the end, those who, who chose like the one particular guy that he's referring to, he says, you didn't have white, you didn't have a robe of a, a garment on, a wedding garment on. And why? And the guy was speechless. You see, that was a disrespect to the king. That is saying, I'm going to do it my way. I, I don't need that. Yeah. And, and in the end, he said, go ahead and take him, cast him out with the gnashing of teeth. And the whole point was dealing like with, with the Jews or any of the Gentiles, he, he's simply saying to them, that the king extended an invitation to you. That invitation that he's extended was not for you to interpret it how you wanted to interpret it and do it your way. You come out of honor and out of respect for, for him and you put on the wedding garment, you felt like uh, that it was useless for you. You didn't right. need it. You just, you was gonna do this your way and, and he cast him out. And I think that's the picture. Yeah. That in, in the churches abroad, You've yeah. got people sitting on the pews today, yeah. including all of us. Yeah. You have those that are good, not in their nature, but because something they've trusted the invitation of the yeah. king. Yeah. You have other people who've come in. They're part of the visible church, but they're not clothed in righteousness. They're they going to interpret this on their own. They're going to do it their way. What the king's request is not treasured to them. And they're not humbled by his request. They slip in and they're amongst us, but they still don't know him. Right. They haven't trusted him with their life. And I think that's the picture. So, so are we then to take this lesson that those of us that 
You're part of the, yes, the invisible church. Yes, we do. That's why we pray for one another. And Lord, open their eyes that they'll see. There's indicators in their life that they don't know you. I know they're among us. I know they're part of us, but there's, we don't see grace in them. And Lord, we're asking you to do the work. They need to be clothed in those wedding garments. They need to be clothed in righteousness. And that's why we pray for one another. Now, the, the, the other implication is he's got a big feast. Yeah. And he wants us to go invite everybody to come. Yeah. And some are going to come and say they're part of the of the work, but really are coming on there in their own ways and not not submitting unto him. So, and 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 in the end, he's going to deal with that. So that filter is his job to filter that out. Yes, right. yes, yes. Same way with the wheat and the tail. Now, one that does name himself a brother that's steadily involved in things contrary, you know, we work with that person and try to help them. And we don't treat them like an unbeliever. We treat them like a brother, but we do what we do to shame for them to recognize what they're doing is wrong and, and, and for God to do a work of, in their heart and make them right, you know. I got a couple of things. Shannon said a while ago, why, why aren't other preachers doing this? Well, some are, yes. Well, some yeah. are, but... You got to realize this man, when he did this, decided that God told him to do it this way, he set himself up for failure. As you say, and I, I know you say, what are you talking about? You go and sit down with him and you start backing him up and asking questions that he can't answer. Because a lot of these ministers can't answer these questions. Oh, yeah, yeah. And if we start in, say, Matthew Wednesday night, you know and I know, first word out of his mouth is, what have y'all been gleaning? That we may, or may I mean, here we go, we've had all week to get ready to answer. Those that, 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 that wanted to. Right. But but we've been waiting all week and underlining our Bible when he, yeah. when he give us that opportunity yeah. to do it. And you know what? We may not come back to this all night long because right. he may care us over here. We might come back to Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We may be like, well, we And it, out, there's a lot that. We and, Proverbs today, but. and conversation, for an example, with other pastors. <laughs> And they ask what we do and how we do it. Tell me about this nesting with Jesus. How does it work with your folks? Because I always try to give them good practical illustrations of how it helps the people because they're, they're, they're walking through the scriptures day by day, bite by bite, and they're not trying to consume it all. So many try to start out and read through the entirety of the word, and there's nothing wrong with that, especially if you can do it. But a lot of times they, they get behind on it and they can't keep up with it. And then they get frustrated with it and they don't have a plan. Then they don't do anything. And so I, I, that was one of the objectives. Two, it helps, as Brother Shannon says, it keeps us accountable. We could talk about it with one another because we're all reading the same thing. But that is a factor with some of them as well, is that they, you, you say, you mean you let them ask questions and y'all talk? So I don't know if I can, I don't, I don't know if I can do that. I don't want to put myself in that position where I can't answer questions. And, and then I said, you just got to make yourself available. You know, you do what God, and that's one thing. Uh, we watch a bunch of, we, we've seen quite a few different pastors take on this very same thing. And, uh, and they go, they, they're reading through different books, not the same books we're reading. And that's what I always encourage. Look, your personality, your people, and your church, and your leadership is going to be different from us. And you, I can give you a model, and you can do exactly what we do, or... You can seek God and go in other areas and other books, and many of them have, and because it's always relatable to where where they are as a body, 
and uh, and it and it works, and and some of them do it, uh, but I find that some of them over time, and the reason being is because they not everybody wants to be held accountable that way. So you'll find when it's not not just pastors, I'm talking about church members. Okay. A church member doesn't want to have to be held accountable in a sense of knowing what. Where we are and be questioned about yeah. that, they would rather just come, tell me what you want to tell me, and I'm going to go on about my business. See, that's where I, that's and you where see, I that's, was, yeah, and that's what happens. I was in the beginning with this. Yes. And, and I, I didn't say nothing, but I. And some people kind of fall off the fringes on that because they don't want the dialogue, they don't want to be engaged. That's why you'll see, like, Wednesday nights, initially people are coming, they're listening, but before you know it, they start. Yeah. backing off because they really don't uh, it, it, this it's it's kind of like a foreign thing to them and um, so it's one of those that I always tell the tell the pastors I said look it's going to help you people overall you're going to see those that that really are not actively involved in the work of what y'all doing as a church it, it it may not help some some are going to jump on board and some are going to fall off board but for the people that are going to be the, the, the difference makers in your congregation, you're going to grow them. They're going to grow. God's going to use it to grow them, and it's going to make you stronger. What I've seen, I have asked a question, and before it's over, between what you say about it and somebody else has an opinion mm -hmm. about it, I have, I mean, it just, it, it answers my question. Oh, yeah, it does. Yeah. yeah. Everybody helps one another, and that's the thing. That, yeah. that, was, that was funny. We, Pat and I talked about this. Wednesday night after we got home. I said, Dave, uh, you know where we were? And he said, yeah. I said, uh, I said, in my Bible, chapter 18, verses 10, mm -hmm. I wrote down their angels. And I hadn't spoke to Pat about that. But that's the very thing that chapter 18, he had heard of mm -hmm. was their angels. Yeah, yeah. And, and I said, isn't that strange how God, out of that whole chapter, uh -huh. or, or that reading from we had from the start there, you brought up exactly what I was fixing to say, but I was just going to kind of mm -hmm. keep my mouth shut until... And then we learn, everybody learns something, you know, about what God says. And, and it, it, it helps. And it gives you a place to start, mm -hmm. but... You know the Bible so well that you can take it anywhere that we start from there. We, we can move into any any Bible. And, and but I, I just I just know too many pastors that that I still talk to several that I talk about things and, and not just the stuff that we're reading here, but just like. For example, Jackie was talking about he was wanting us. We were talking, discussing about one of his sermons about that, that he was going to talk to the people about witnessing, mm -hmm. and he's wanting them, his people, to to, to be more witnesses. And I said the best verse about that is Acts chapter five, verse twenty. It's simple. Yeah. It's plain. Go, Go stand. stand. Now, stay in front of me and stand up. I mean, be firm mm -hmm. and speak the words of life. Yeah. 
simple can you be? Mm-hmm. Now, did I know that five years ago? No, I didn't. But things that I have learned here from you or, and from God yeah, as, right, as right. we're learning things, yeah. and as I accept this, I learn more. Mm-hmm. And the more I accept what we're doing, I learn more. Yeah. And that's just it. It's kind of like how the neat thing with the scriptures and I read in yesterday, it referred to um, when it says that God spoke to you. <coughs> yeah. That he's the God of the living, not the God of the dead. Yes, but then in, in Mark's gospel, it says that God spoke to Moses. Yeah. And in Luke's gospel, it refers to God spoke to Moses, through Moses, to you. So it, it shows how the scriptures, they, were, they, were, they had no knowledge and understanding or power of the no, scriptures. No, but it shows how God revealed the word to, the, to a man, but the word that he revealed to the man was actually a message he was going to reveal to his people. And each one of these gospels speak of it as uh, what Moses said, what God said to Moses, what God said to you. Which gives us this great picture that the word of God is from God. Even though we use the word men to write the word, it's God's word to us. And we want to receive it as God's word. And man, what a difference that it makes when we approach this as not words of men, but words from God. Changes everything. And you listen to a lot of people talk about the word. Or you hear people contemplating the word. They don't look at it as being a word from God. They just see it as, as ways of how the Jews lived. Or they see it as a word from man. This is what Paul thought. Paul didn't understand about him homosexuals. He didn't have that concept. So that's why he wrote what he wrote about homosexuals. Because he couldn't relate to them. But that's really not God's intent. Well, see, because you're telling me that Paul wrote this. And though he did... You're not telling me that God inspired him to write this. And this is God's word. So this is not just limited to Paul. This is how God viewed life. Not Paul, how Paul viewed it. This is how God viewed it. You see, that separates us from the world and everything else. Yeah, Yeah, when we understand we're dealing with what God has for us and not merely what man thought about who God was, you know. Well, amen. Amen. Well, they're going to be looking for us out there. Father, we thank you today that we can come and open up the word and seek you and praise you and glorify you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for what you're doing in us, what you're doing for us, and what you're going to do with us in the coming days. So we just thank you and praise you and give you glory. Help us, Lord. We're needy. We want to be meek and humble and want to learn from you. We want to learn from one another and we want to walk in your power. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Love y'all.